EA Sports. It's in the game. There he is. is. There he is. Not... Yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner. Bobby. A veteran, right? Get him down. Now get Had out and tackle. let these guys take over. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FN Story. I'm joined alongside Mini Miner, a commentator, a YouTuber, a streamer. I mean, he's also a good-looking dude. How's it going, Mini Miner? I'm good, thank you, SVG. That's too kind of an intro, and I, I'm not sure if I uh, stick up to that, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you do all those things. I mean, I, I, I do, don't. Yeah. I guess the the good-looking dude is the the one that we'll have subjective. to figure out. Yeah, um, subjective. What you been up to? I mean, this year seems like it's been a busy year for you. You've been doing your pretty much regular content as well as traveling for broadcasts and stuff. Um, how's it been? It's been great. It's been a very, very busy year for me. Like just overall, uh, everything's just been 100 miles an hour. It's sort of just gone from me just doing my normal streams, my normal content. And then, of course, uh, Epic and Blast reaching out for the broadcast. That was a huge thing. Uh, so that was in May, and yeah, as you said, just traveling a lot for that. Of course, getting to go to Denmark, which is a country I've never been to before. Uh, before then, was just yeah, it's been it's been wild. It's just been everything happening at once. Um, just getting loads of cool opportunities, and it's been it's just been so much fun. I've just enjoyed it so much. Good for you, man. You've crushed it. I mean, from I don't know if I've ever told you, but from the moment like I saw you on a broadcast, it was one of your first ones. You looked like you knew what you were doing, and. <laughs> It was impressive because like no one that I've pretty much seen had that first time appearance of being really good on camera, understanding how to handle themselves. And then also you've clearly played the game a ton. You play it on a regular basis. I saw you play in the uh, divisional cups as well. So yeah. that is already there. And then you just proved, okay, I, I know how to do all this camera and commentating stuff, but how do you think you've you've managed to jump into this as quickly and successfully as you have? Uh, I think for me, I, I sort of come from a sort of different background to most people when it comes to sort of broadcasting and esports and stuff like that, because a lot of people come from just gaming uh, and that's their background. And although I have a, like a deep background in gaming as well, I play games since a young age, but I originally came from sort of like a TV background. That's sort of where I wanted to, to go into. So I did a degree at university. I did a TV production degree. So that gave me a lot of insight into how like TV works in the background. So I actually specialized in producing for studio shows. So um, producing big studio shows with with guests and audience and stuff like that. It's all something I did at uni. Um, and then with that, it sort of presented a lot of presenting opportunities. So I was able to present other people's shows in like big studios and on location and stuff. So I think I that's sort of what's helped me a lot because I'd already had that in studio experience. I'd already had that experience in presenting in front of cameras. Because I feel like for a lot of people, it's like a whole different world. And I'm sure you would have experienced that as well. It's like from going from like a, a little box on a camera to a whole studio with cameras to remember the positions of, you know, positions of walking and, you know, knowing where to look, knowing who to talk to, knowing all those different things. It's it's such a big jump. But yeah, as yeah, but I, I appreciate the kind words because it's like it was it was definitely a, a big just jump straight into it thing for me, you know, like thrown right into the deep end. It's like, yep, you're on EU now. You're in studio. <laughs> you're going straight into it. You're with Resub and you're talking about the best, uh, you know, the, the biggest region on the on, on, on the on the show. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's deserved, man. Like you didn't shy away from it. You seem to accept the challenge, take it head on and crush it. Like you've done a couple of different things. You were the analyst. You've done the, the mid game analyst or analysis pieces, whatever the heck you want to call them. 
Um, and I think you do a really good job. And I think those will continue to be helpful for the broadcast because it is helpful to have those breakup pieces. I mean, you look at any other traditional sport, um, there are those sideline reporters and you're the closest thing to a sideline reporter. So I hope, um, you keep working on that. I know talking to some of the boys over on EU, you put in a lot of work in the, the background as well. So not only have you kind of studied the broadcast stuff, but you also take the time to learn the game, learn the players, learn all that stuff. Um, and I mean, it, it shows. So talk me through like what kind of preparation you do for, let, let's just say an FNCS finals. Like what does that look like for you? Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of prep, uh, obviously, in season two, I was an analyst alongside Reese Hub, and Reese Hub uh, is quite possibly one of the hardest working people uh, I've met when it comes to you know uh, broadcasting, presenting, and stuff like that. Unbelievable! He, he puts in so much work. Yeah, you know, of course, you're, yourself firsthand. Like he puts in a huge amount of work, and he's someone that I definitely look to to um, to help me prepare. But for me, it, it, it's just about, um, and I've always done it ever, ever since the beginning of, of when I first started getting into casting um, and just getting into broadcasting in general. Is just having too much prep. So I always try and get too much stuff uh, because you can always fall back on that. You know, although you have a good, you know, I have a good like understanding of the game and the background. If you have too much stuff, then even if you don't use some of it, it doesn't really matter. You know, you just like throw it out. It doesn't really matter. But um, I always just try and do as much as I can. So I have spreadsheets. I have a spreadsheet that I have that is just full of everything, like information on different players. Not quite as advanced as Resub's one because he has... Here's a crazy one. Uh, the I don't know master if you've spreadsheet. Yeah, oh, I've seen that before. That thing's oh, incredible. It's a beast. It, like you search up any player's name, so oh, let's let's find out some stats about uh, Seti. <laughs> so I oh, search up Seti. All of his FNCSs previously, every single thing he's ever done, every food he's ever eaten. It just it's all on there. Um, but no, it's but it, it that that is you know the level of prep that you need for. Uh, you know, especially for finals, because, you know, this is the highest level. Um, broadcast is the highest level of Fortnite competitive, of esports competitive as well. Um, this is the highest level. So I always just try and put in as much effort as I can, learn all the players. Obviously, for EU and NA East, it's a little bit easier because, you know, you sort of, I already have like a good background knowledge. So it's very easy just to talk about players, but, you know, stats, learning about even just little things that the players have. I remember last season, uh, Z Andy and Joe, I think Z Andy fell asleep. <laughs> during a game one of semi-finals. I think it was semis day two, I want to say, maybe day one. Um, and yeah, he fell asleep. So just like little fun things like that. It's always nice to pick up on, but that's always what I think. It's just like do too much prep so that you're not going to be left with nothing. Hey, it's not bad to be over-prepared. And mm. I, I personally love that you do that because you can get away with just kind of knowing players' names and reading what happens on the screen. And I, I think, you know, you in particular are one of the people that go beyond that of just like, oh, yay, they won the game. They got six eliminations. Awesome. And, like, you have all that background knowledge, which adds to the broadcast. And I think um, Fortnite is such a complex game that it deserves that level of preparation understanding in order to to probably talk about it and you know when we're going into a big event like the invitational this is the biggest Fortnite event that we've seen in i guess three years we'll call it yeah one have you started prepping for that and two uh, 
I don't know. You probably can't say whether or not you're going, but let's say you are going to prep for it, right? Yep. Are you going to watch all the VODs? Like, how do you prepare for something of like that kind of momentous region v region battle? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, obviously we don't know what's what's happening with rotational yet. We don't know, you know, there's nothing confirmed. We don't know who's going. We don't know what's going on with it. But um, if I was to, I think it would just be trying to digest everything in terms of regions and trying to develop storylines. You know, I always try and look into storylines to develop from just reading out numbers like you know you can just anyone can read out a number it's like oh this team you know got fifth in the dreamhack 2021 like you know great nobody really cares but why is that relevant now how can we tie that into a storyline especially when it comes to the invitational how can we really make that into like a battle between regions oh this region does the most damage maybe it's eu they're the most aggressive but maybe it's oce they're a little bit more passive they have a little bit more of a different play style how is that gonna mesh when it comes to invitational so for something like that i think it is just that next level i think it's always just leveling up you know we, we, we do all this all this prep and it's just like trying to better the last show uh that we did and yeah invitational uh whether it's on the broadcast or to watch it's going to be so much fun it's going to be like a it's going to be such an exciting event um and i think it deserves to have that level of prep because you know just looking into vods looking into uh there's a good there's a good website called fortnite-replay.info that i use as well um so shout out to that the, the creator that's in a great job um it allows you to look at all the all the vods and look at the map look at where players are rotating and stuff like that so uh that's something that i've used a lot um i should resub that as well in season two i think it was um and yeah me and him we, we use that a lot during the the analysis so just little tools and stuff just to try and not even just find the information it's just like how is that find how the information is relevant you know that's always it's always the goal but of course having the backup stats and everything on players is always useful wait what's the name of that website again sorry fortnite let me let me try and find it fortnite uh dash replay dot info oh so you can okay. find loads of different all the different tournaments and it was uh it's a really good resource for you know looking at rotations looking at uh loadouts it has on there it has uh, eliminations it has just everything that you need without having to go into the replay and look through it yourself all right definitely bookmarking that as we speak thank you for that there I you appreciate go <laughs> it. Um... of course pretty good resource yeah, that's awesome. I can't believe I've never seen that before. Do you yeah, know who made that? Useful. Uh, I, the thing is, I was let me, because they, they they made a really um, it's a really good resource. I think it's at the bottom of the website potentially. Um, it's a it's a really it's a really good source. I I don't actually know who the who the creator is. Um, well, shout whoever out to whoever it. did that. I appreciate yep. you. That is awesome. I'm going to have to check that out even more. Um, for the Invitational, I I've been asking people this, and I guess you were the first person that I get to ask after we've seen some competitions and like actually seen how this season at the moment is going to play out, although it seems without Boogie Bombs, it's going to be fairly different, not massively. Um, yeah. Where do you see certain teams... Like, way too early prediction. I I guess now we're kind of just like early prediction, not way too early, because we're actually in yeah. the season, the meta. Who you thinking does well? You don't have to give me an exact winner, although I'll, I'll, I'll take that if you got one. Or, but like, give me a, a top three, top five kind of scenario. 
it's tough it is that is that is the big question right everyone everyone wants to know who's gonna who's gonna win it and it, it is ultimately it comes down to who can put in the most prep you know you, you can have teams that do so well in previous seasons previous metas previous uh you know versions of the game if you like but it all comes down to this season now we've had so many cool plays with the uh the chrome splashes which i hope stay in i think they're a really cool item um and i've seen a lot of height teams use that really really well they can throw them down they can prevent teams from editing out looking up um i think i saw a i saw a instagram reel from lash uh, so shout out to lash he's a legend um and he was highlighting how uh, the team actually used a uh, a chrome splash just to throw at a team's wall meaning they couldn't edit it and then you know obviously they couldn't get out so it's going to be about who who grinds the game and who learns the meta the quickest and the best so for me it's tough to put names onto that because like you have you have teams like Booger and Miro and Booger and Miro are those teams that they they don't necessarily have it feels like they don't have to put in the work and they'll just perform on the big stage because they've done it um obviously Booger especially is of course one world cup so he knows how to play on a LAN I think that'll have a big impact as well how much LAN experience do these teams have maybe you can talk the same about Malabuka and Mustache you know of course Malabuka winning the uh the game is eight uh you know, you got Vino and Queasy. That's a that's an exciting duo, no matter what goes on. So, that's that's two of the biggest grinders. And Cami and Seti, I think not enough people are talking about them as potential because maybe they didn't have a great season last season, and they're one of those teams that they do rely on a lot of that consistency. A lot of teams like not contesting their split because there's so much loot there um, that they need. So, I think if they can sort out their off spawn loot path and make sure that they can keep that consistency, they're definitely a shoe in as well. Yeah, I think the the Camiseti is partially because they're just quiet. Like I feel like those two don't really make a, a ton of noise on social mm. media. They don't stream events, so you don't get to see what goes on. And then, you know, you have your your bigger names that talk loudly about things, complain about yeah. things and, you know, maybe will will stream events so you get to see more forward-facing content from them. But Akami and Seti, I mean, those guys seem to always be ready. They're always prepared. And no matter what, I think they're going to get there. It'll be interesting because for the longest time, Sven has worked with Become Legends. And I believe earlier this year, so they're probably two, three seasons now without Sven. I don't want to say exactly. Um mm -hmm. They're without their coach that they've worked with for however long. I don't know how long that relationship is. And now more than ever, it seems like coaching is massive within Fortnite. All of the top duos, I shouldn't say all, most of the top duos work with some kind of coach to help them. And just talking to players, it's a big benefit to have someone, especially in like a, a duos because one of the, the biggest things that I've learned from players is just like conflict resolution. The coach is there for, as opposed to like, if you and I are sitting here discussing something and I'm like, nah, you're wrong. And you're like, nah, I'm wrong. And then you get that third party person to come yeah. in and be like, all right, you're both wrong. This is what should have happened. Um, I think that provides a ton of value. And I personally love to get to see coaches come into the space and, increase what we get out of players um although without them being in person without everyone being together you know that human to human interaction that drive i think we're still missing although some players have that uh have you like ever worked with a coach because i know you play yourself and like 
what are your general opinions on, on coaching? I think coaching is, is good. I think I like the fact that coaches get involved. And I like the fact that we have big coach names. You know, maybe they're not quite as big as the players' names. Obviously, that's usually how it works. But uh, I, I like seeing coaches getting involved because I think what it shows is just it, it's just it's not, you know, the players are obviously at the highest level that they can be. But there is also that external uh, mind. There's also that external opinion that, that can be implemented into a team. I think what I really like about... Um, the way that coaches operate is that they can offer they can often operate outside of you know when the game is going on they'll they'll look back at vods they'll look at little mistakes that maybe maybe you and your teammate you can you can you know sort of get over quite quickly but uh, a coach might spot something it's like oh maybe if you make this rotate more often maybe if you you know even just small things like oh making an edit before you chrome splash and you blob out uh something like that that definitely helps i've personally never worked with a coach uh i only play fortnite comp kind of casually but not like we like we play we played a decent level like you know it's not it's not crazy crazy good um but i've never personally worked with a coach but i think that they are i think they definitely could be very very useful because they're just they just give you that external pov and especially when when the, the players are getting really really you know a little bit mad maybe the, the emotions are running high i think having that is is going to be so so crucial for some of the players especially as the game develops as the game matures because it's those little differences that will make the big difference because you know, as the game develops, the skill gap is just, you know, going crazy and uh, and it's widening. Of course, the, the difference between the best and the, the average is just uh, makes it a little bit more close, if you like. Um, so it, it just all these different minute details will will mean a lot. Um, and I know that I know Levin works with uh, Pink and Anna. Sometimes he sits in the call um, with them. Uh, I know uh, Pappy, I think, works with them as well um blood x i believe i think is is in call as well quite often so they just have like a whole team behind them you know behind that success Squad. behind that that team literally it is it is a whole <laughs> team effort and I, I love that i think that's great because you know it's just it shows there's just there's more than what you see on your screen there's more than just you know pink and ass taking height it's like that is a that is a manufactured play that's a manufactured element to their game that isn't just something that you just decided it's like oh yeah let's just go for height um that's something like because that's what it is you know it's it's situational based like we've done this before they've scrimmed they've played so many tournaments the zone is pulled towards us the, the, the fifth zone half and half is pulled towards us we know from previous games like thousands of them that uh with this amount of materials with this loot with these amount of teams in the in the lobby this is what we do so having the coach there to really piece those together and string it all together i think is is so useful that's one thing I can't wait to get like a player or coach that's retired that can share some of this stuff with yeah. us because right now no one wants to give that away or at least like on a public platform, right? Like if I were to have somebody on here and ask them, oh, you know, what is your strategy? Oh, very basic. Like you and I could make up that strategy on the spot mm. kind of thing. But there's clearly so much more that goes into it. And I think that example of like Pink and Anas, they have a great understanding of how the game goes. And, you know, with different variables, we do different things and execute on them. So one day I think we'll get that. Um, mm. We started to get a little bit of that with Vivid, but I think now we've played a, a much different game than when Vivid was one of the best in the world. Although baseline obviously Fortnite's the same but it's not really um and i hope that over time we get more insights from former players former coaches or even current coaches that share what they did last season and so on and so forth um 
this season though i think that the chrome splashes are huge and like you mentioned i really hope they stay you know mm. obviously they might change i say obviously and then might um they might <laughs> change and yeah. there could be some differences based on what goes on at a competitive level but i, I think it's a pretty good item it's not like it's a somewhat movement based item but it's also an offensive and defensive item. Um, I've seen so many uses for it. It builds walls immediately. So it's almost like a, an armored wall you can throw down if you just throw it at a wall. And then that example you gave earlier of what you saw from Lash, um, what he posted is using it to throw it at somebody's box so they couldn't edit at them. Like That's just another way. And I'm sure we'll see a ton of those different plays with the chrome splashes um whether it be you know box to box whether it be an early game mid game or even late game with different players understanding okay the one thing that you know when zone like absolutely closes i wonder yeah. if we'll see like a a heal off play in you know you're going for your heal off throw down the chrome splash that way someone has to phase into your box I, like they True. could break it but if you still have some hard mats, it's going to take a little bit. That could be a nice play, but that's also like super circumstantial. You need all, yeah. all the things to line up right. But how are you feeling about this meta? And like, what is the, like, what, what do you think is going to turn out with everything besides boogie bombs? I think is the only thing getting removed. Yeah. Uh, I've played this season a lot so far. I've played like the competitive level, I've played the, the placement cups, played the divisional cups and stuff like that. Um, so I've been able to get a good insight into the game this season. And personally, I love it. I think it's I think it's the best competitive meta we have had this chapter. Um, the shotguns feel balanced. Maybe the prime is very is so good that it makes the lever not as viable as an option. It's still not bad, but I think overall it's solid. I like the ARs. I like the fact we don't have uh, the burst in anymore, uh, the striker burst. I think that was that makes things a little bit more uh, a little bit more fair, maybe you could say, uh, from like the the long distance. So now you have to use a DMR, you have to use a sniper. Uh, I like the fact that snipers are back as well. I think that's good. I think. Personally, I don't think they should all do 200 to the head. I've always said this. I've always said that I think the gold ones should do 200 to the head, and that's it. Uh, maybe the purple does like 190 or something, but um, I personally love hitting headshot snipes. So uh, maybe I sort of shoot myself in the foot here, maybe you could say. But uh, no, I, I I like the fact the snipers are in. And overall, as I said, the, the competitive mode is really good. We don't have uh, grapple gloves or any sort of Spider-Mans, which is great. I love that. Um, I like the fact we have itemized mobility. That's a really really important thing it kind of reminds me of the uh the the cows from season seven last chapter and if you remember them yeah they were they were the peak of the peak the best of the best you could say for the okay. uh <laughs> mobility i love those yeah i do think widely available inventory based mobility if it's not purely map based mobility is yeah. going to be the best way to do it and i from a purely competitive side i agree with you i don't know that we should be one-shotting people with snipers um yeah. but from a understanding we need to get people out of the game perspective in order for lobbies to work the way they're supposed to and not have people teleporting all over the place snipers make sense in that perspective uh 
But at the same time, when we're pl- like playing with the best of the best, we're going to have the Elite Cup here in a couple of days on Saturday to see like what that final style lobby looks like just on one region. Oh, I bet you there's a ton of headshot snipes and there's just nothing you can do about it because mm. once you jump, this is like an old Halo thing. Once you jump, you can barely change your tra- trajectory. Jeez. Um, <laughs> and players yeah. know that. So like mm. a jump is basically an end unless you can quickly enough hear that build. But most people aren't going to be able to do that. And then you either have to overbuild to protect yourself or just cross your fingers, hope you don't get headshot <laughs> sniped. I don't know. I'm interested, though, because we haven't had that in a really long time. And maybe this is what we need to, like, properly thin out lobbies. I know comp players are going to be tweeting a ton on Saturday about, like, dog shit snipers, like, get them out of the game. But we'll see. I mean, um, I don't hate it. Especially because I'm good with a sniper. Played lots of COD back in the day. <laughs> of course. Loved by those that use them, but hated <laughs> by those that uh, get used on them. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they're good for the game. Uh, obviously, the surge changes make things a little bit interesting as well, because, of course, now you have a lower threshold. So, of course, it used to be 70 for the first surge. Now it's 64. So that makes getting that storm surge that much more important. So I think it's almost essential to have a sniper in a, in a duo, especially in those high-level lobbies, because you're going to need that 600, 700 damage. And it's very, very difficult to get that without a sniper because everyone else is sniping you. You can't just peek and just hold an angle with the with the hammer because, you know, and especially when we don't have the, the burst anymore. So it's going to make things very, very interesting at a high level, uh, particularly players like Thomas HD on EU. He's going to be loving it. Ooh. I think he already is. I've seen some clips on Twitter. Whew, spicy. Yeah, not fair. That guy's aim is incredible. Um, I do like the AR meta too because we're going mm. back to the the traditional bloom weapons as opposed yeah. to the dot sites. Uh, and the evil Chrome weapon just got buffed. They did, yeah. Like slightly. I don't know how buffed. Uh, I already thought the AR was pretty good, especially once you get it to blue. So I know they reduced the amount of damage necessary to upgrade as mm-hmm. well as possibly increase the damage at higher variants. I'd have to double check on that. But what is like... What are you seeing from your own play? And then if you've watched any VODs, like what do you think players are using and what's the meta looking like? I think it's got to be the hammer. I think SMG meta is kind of, it's gone, you know? We don't talk about SMGs anymore, you know. We got the uh, we got the, the rapid fire, which is the, finally. <laughs> uh, but no, it's you know I, I I liked having a switch up in the meta at the beginning of the chapter. I think it was it was healthy, it was good. But I like that now we're moving into a different direction, moving into a more AR meta. So for me, I think it's definitely hammer prime. Um, one of the person carries sniper, one of them carry a, a chrome splash, and um, and heals. Uh, it's the, the heal meta's kind of stayed the same really. We haven't really seen too much changes, but. For me, I think the hammer is going to stay king. Although, as you mentioned, they have buffed the Evo Chrome weapons today. I think you can get them in chests more frequently now. Yeah, uh, you that. can also get like a higher rarity from a chest. So I think you can get like just straight up gold Evo Chrome weapons from chests now rather than just the green ones and having to be forced to upgrade it, uh, which I think is good. And I, I was using them a lot today, actually, the Evo Chrome. They are, they are pretty solid. They are pretty solid. The shotgun is definitely difficult to get used to, but it feels like a a solid weapon you know it does like i think it does like 130 to the head when it gets to gold or mythic so it's a solid solid weapon a solid choice especially if you're just hopping in boxes it has eight shots it's like attack so 
I'm liking them so far. And the AR breaks builds so easily. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's not going to change things too much, really. But I don't know. We'll see some interesting plays. I saw the... Someone posted the stats of, like, the old tactical shotgun and the mythic... Yeah. Um, or not mythic, the Evo Chrome shotgun, and it's literally the exact same weapon, just reskinned and able to be upgraded. So I don't think you're going to be able to get to that purple rarity within any kind of competitive lobby, unless, you know, it's a first game and pros are W keying, but people like you and I, I don't know that we could do that. Um, <laughs> so it's not, in my opinion, super helpful, but if you guys are listening to this when the season first started, because it may be after the fact, you could only get the green variants of the Evo Chrome weapons. And then now they just made the change that any variant is possible to be opened in a chest or floor loot. So that's also a big change because now you could start off with one of those super heavy weapons. Um, I still think the the shotgun's kind of terrible. Uh, <laughs> even at the higher rarities yeah. with the prime shotgun and the damage that puts out, um, not a big fan of lever. Definitely like you, I, I pick up the prime, use that and the yeah. hammer, um, as a solid follow-up, but we are going into what seems like a, a very balanced meta. I'm excited. It seems SMGs have ruled the world for almost a year. And I think we've all gotten a little tired of that. I won't speak for you, but I will say I'm tired of that. Um, the shotgun editing and box fight gameplay seems to be much more interesting when you have uh, high damage output as well as like... Uh, the thing I love about the Prime is there's there needs to be follow-up, right? That first mm. shot does so much damage and you either back off and reload, give the person time to heal... Or you follow up with that and try and quickly get the elim. So it's one of the more balanced shotguns I think we've seen. Um, which I asked me that a few weeks ago, I would have said no way. But playing <laughs> with it, seeing it be used, it's a, a really solid weapon. So I'm excited. I, I think we are moving into a a prime time for Comp Fortnite, and it's working mm. perfectly as the Invitational comes up in about a month and a half from now. Yeah, I agree. And also all the, the new competitive tournaments. I mean, we don't just have standard cash cups anymore. We have the divisional cups, which I think is a really good idea. Uh, I like the fact that it's less reliant on Arena now. Arena is sort of just like, you know, you just need to pass a quick little, it's like a capture test, you know, just get it over with, you know, get into, get into <laughs> contender, get into the cups, you'll be, you'll be in. Uh, and yeah, you don't need to get champs anymore, which is nice. I think that's good. Um, and I like the divisional cups. It gives the it makes the lower level lobbies a little bit more stacked as well, which is great. Um, and it allows for sort of everyone just to get involved in Fortnite competitive. And I think a lot of people are a little bit confused about the, the sort of format, I think, still. But once everyone gets into that flow of, okay, I'm a, I'm a challenger player, I'm trying to get into elite, uh, then I can play for the cash and stuff like that. Like, I think it, it definitely makes, makes a lot of sense. I played in the first one yesterday uh, in EU. And um, it, was, it was good. Oh, did you? Yeah, I played EU. I couldn't play NA. Oh yeah. Yeah, we got. Did it go well? Got a million points. A million? Wow, that's not bad. Nah, it went well Record for break. like the first six games. We had the Shrine uncontested six games straight, and oh, wow. got pretty much all of our points in those games. And then we were getting double, and then even triple conned, which wow. was really weird. Um and. Playing off ping, being conned at a spot like that is just not the play. So yeah, 
We'll see. I, I would love to get like your thoughts on the divisional cups. I know you kind of talked about it there, but this is a, a system that seems to be much more geared towards an actual competitive ranking system as opposed to like what you said, arenas, a, a checkbox, and then you can play tournaments and it needed, we needed something like this. And I, I, I pray that players don't just turn these cups into W key cups and Fortnite has done literally everything possible to try and avoid that because mm. you get one point per elimination at the lowest level and it only goes up to three at the highest and it's 65 points for the victory yeah. royale. So it's like, we don't want you to W key. You don't W key, <laughs> but like, obviously. Um, People do. Yeah. And the way it's structured, you need to reach, you know, top percent in depending on your region in order to advance so like the elims are going to be the only thing that's going to separate those teams unless you can win every single game but what do you see this format moving forward and i mean we're only week one we haven't even seen the finals like do you think this is a proper ranking system for at least competitive tournaments I like it. I think it's yeah. I think it's a solid. It's a solid step in the right direction. I think it's it's something that we. It's not. I've, I wouldn't say it's like the fully completed version of what we would need, um, but I think it's a huge step. It's the biggest step that we've seen. I think from Fortnite competitive at all uh, when it comes to tournaments, how they're integrated into the ecosystem. We we haven't seen a change like this ever. I mean, maybe I yes. think that would probably be Since appropriate. Arena. Since, Since Arena, Arena got announced, like I don't remember yeah. anything even close. I mean. This has pretty much taken place of FNCS, so mm. this could be, or at least this season. I can't, I don't know what's happening next year, but I mean, this could be our new like seasonal tournament structure for years. Yeah, I love it. I think I'd like to see as it grows, like more divisions. So, you know, you have the contender, you have challenger and they have elite. It's very... It's, it's very much already uh, only three divisions. It's very sort of blocked like that. I think I'd like to see some more like sub tournaments, maybe some extra ones uh, for the different divisions that are sort of more catered towards that player style. But right now it's difficult to tell because uh, all of the contender cups are full of other regions pros. So I was looking at the NA East contender cup. I think it was filled with EU pros because they obviously didn't start yeah. in Challenger or Elite because of course they couldn't play the placement cup as a region locked. So it's full of pros, so I think once it sort of simmers out a little bit, we can start to see uh, where everyone is. I think it would be really, it's going to be really, really good. And I mean, I played in one yesterday, the Challenger one, and uh, we came, we didn't do very well actually. We we came like three hundredth, um, which we we didn't play very well. But it was one of those where it's like they're still kind of W key, but you you're you're also sometimes playing for placements. Some people are playing for placements. No Elo either in Challenger, so. Uh, some of the teams were keying, some of the teams weren't, and the teams that were were obviously very good because they're obviously trying to get into elite. Yeah. Um, and you get some teams that aren't so great that try and key, and it's just it, it's it's difficult to see what they're fully like yet. So um, I like them, I like the idea. I think we're just at a very very early stage, so it's difficult to like fully evaluate whether it's good or not. Um, but really good so far. I, I think I think everyone has been longing for something like this. Yeah. Um. 100% on board of like, this is one of the best things we've seen in a while. Mm. Um, my, I guess early on this is like, again, a way too early piece is the placement cup has so much weight, which then kind of determines like, if you can't play that, 
you're essentially one at least two three weeks behind from most players and it's like okay if you're one of the top players in the world awesome you're gonna be able to like climb through the challenger contender if you couldn't play the the placement cup um I, i think just the timing of that announcement and the weight that it holds was my only qualm really with the system uh, yeah. because, you know, normally we have a two week preseason and I don't know if you saw this, but Byla was supposed to play with Peter bot from NA East for the invitational and apparently he planned a family vacation for last Saturday. So he was not able to play. This is all alleged and based on right. what he said, but you know, I'm going to take the kid at his word. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to scheme all this for no reason and lose <laughs> out on what we're now seeing a minimum of $1,500. But like that, that kind of hurts, man. That, Mm. that, that is a big hit because if you guys don't know, Byla was supposed to play at the invitational with Peter bot. And then because he couldn't play the placement cup, Peter bot wanted to play and get practice against elite players which only makes sense. Like you're going to be playing the best players in the world. You might as well at least get the best players in the region. So they decided to split and Byla won't be going to the invitational anymore. That is my one qualm, but it's also like Mm. they probably could have quickly made it out of those ranks if they wanted to. Um, Yeah. It's just weird timing. I I feel like that was a, that was thrown at us real quick. It's a big shame because that is a that's an FNCS winning duo. That is, yeah. you know, this region NA East's one of the best when it comes to uh, you know history and, and and sort of gameplay when it comes to competitive. That they are the top of the top. So that is you know that's a huge blow. And I did see a little bit of that sort of stuff in my timeline. Um, couldn't quite decipher exactly what it was, but that that is yeah that is kind of crazy. But as you're right, I, I think having all of that weight on the placement cup is. Yeah, that's that's difficult. I think maybe the way to alleviate it would be maybe to have multiple of them throughout the season. So you have four maybe once every every two weeks to see, you know, are you still worthy to be in that division? Um I mean it might get it might be difficult to get pros playing that because obviously they feel like they're at the top, you know, it's like why am I playing this? Why am I playing something that I need to prove myself yet again every single two weeks? So maybe have some sort of maybe top 30, top 50 teams that are right at the top on the elite leaderboard or something, maybe like a series point type idea. They stay, they don't need to do the placement cup, but um, I, I 100% agree. And I think it'd be nice to see this whole system develop because there's so much potential with it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they, how they improve it because it's yeah only the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, the outcome of the scenario, like I'm a little biased because now Muzz gets to go play with Looter and mm. we don't have, even have to get into the whole folk situation, but yep. now those two get to reunite, and then Peter Bot's gonna play with Jamper. So, like, it's kind of a cool outcome to get those all to come together. It's just Byla's the unfortunate, like, tr- throwaway that happens here to get there. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would work. the The only thing that I I could throw out as a suggestion is to give more heads up of like the placement cup rather than Mm. a little over a week. Uh, That way everyone knows like this is the date. And from that point out, you can miss it because you can't derank. You could just continue to play those tournaments and, or not play them and still be an elite if you make it an elite. So I I think that makes more sense. Um, But I I love to see this format. I think this Saturday is going to be really interesting to see our first set lobbies for 
the season that holds a lot of weight with the Invitational. And I mean, I I can't wait, man. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. I mean, the Invitational itself is going to be so much fun and just seeing all the teams come together. I think that's that's one of my most exciting or the bits that I'm most excited for is that there's a lot of a lot of teams on here that not a lot of people would know about. You know, there's a lot of OC teams, Middle East teams that people just don't know. Um, and even Asia teams. There's people that this, you know, we don't know how how they stack up against other players in different regions because we haven't had this opportunity. So we got a little taste of it at the Gamers 8 event. Um, and obviously there was a zero build element, there was a building element. So it was kind of a little bit, but, you know, I mean, that was a cool event in itself. And I know you went to that event, right? So it must've been so cool to, to experience that in person. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Um, and that's something we've missed for a while. It's just like mm. letting these players be people and just kids and, get to meet one another because it was cool to see like the interactions between everyone so now we'll get to see that all throughout the invitational and it makes it more real both for for them and hopefully for the viewers the fans um because we haven't really had that although like you said i feel like the the saudi event as much as i loved it it was really cool because it was an invitational and not a there was a qualifier system, but not not really. Um, yeah. It wasn't at the level that I feel like the FNCS Invitational is at uh, because they've had a clear structure of who gets to mm. go and who, who deserves to go from each region. So that's why I'm so excited and we get to see the best of the best or everyone who claims to be the best now you got to put it out on the uh the pitch as they say or out yep. on the the island which i mean for me just as a Fortnite nerd i'm gonna have to soak all that in and enjoy it and hope that we get to see a lot more of this next year yeah and i think just obviously when we when we first got into the studio with the broadcast, that was like a big step, you know, it's like, oh, we get to obviously interact with all the other talent and, you know, everyone, everyone was amazing. Everyone's so nice, especially when I was, especially when I was new, that was definitely like a cool, a cool thing, you know, getting to meet everyone in person. But now, like with the Invitational, we get to meet the players, we get to meet the, uh, the creators of these big moments, the, the, the masterminds behind the game that we talk about so much, the game that we love um and the game that we try and break down to a, as much of a fine minute degree as possible but who better than just to talk to the players in person like that's going to be such a cool experience um for anyone that goes because it's just going to be oh let's uh, let's talk to mustache oh there he is hello what, what 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 have you got planned you know what are you doing on this on this rotate and uh all, all, all these sort of things so just like being able to see them perform in person is going to be it's going to be crazy it's like it just makes as you said it makes it so much more real um, and that's like, that's the biggest thing for me is like, we get to see the faces behind. I mean, we already kind of do, but we get to see the personality more, I, I'd imagine as well from these players. Yeah. Well, and we do because we're like uber invested into this stuff, yes. but like your average comp fan probably doesn't know what 90% of these pros look like. True. Um, and the other thing is like, for me, a, a traditional sports broadcast or at least football, um, American football before the game, you, the broadcasters get to sit down and have conversations with coaches, players, and talk to them. So that provides more value for a broadcast when you get to say like, oh, I got, I talked to Miner before this, and they said they were going to do this and this, and they just did that. Like, how cool they came in with this game plan, so on and so forth. So 
without being in person. Like I know media days happen, but they're not specific to the event. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the invitational, whether it even be like regular media members, people writing about the game, people covering it in different ways. Now they get to put all that out, um, which only increases hopefully like the moment of this. And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have anything else on, we on that. We had a little bit of that. We had a little bit of that online. I know. Cause when I was working when I was working with Resub in season two, I know Reese would always reach out to players like on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever he would use um, to sort of ask players questions like, oh, you know, are you, how are you feeling going to this? Are you feeling good? And just gives the analysis that little bit of extra flavor. So it's like, you know, a little bit of extra, something that people wouldn't know just by looking up their Fortnite tracker or looking up some VODs. It's like, oh, uh, one of these players is not feeling great today or he's not, you know, he's feeling, he's feeling amazing. He just started working out of the gym. Like maybe it's going to give him that extra boost mentally or something like that. You know, it's just, um, that was, that was definitely something that I learned a lot from as well when we were doing the broadcast, because it was just like, um, being able to talk to the players like, oh yeah, I, oh yeah, I can actually message a player and ask him <laughs> a question. I don't have to try and find out myself or guess. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah, it is cool. And I'll, from my experience, a lot of the players are responsive to that. They yep. like to feel included in the broadcast. Uh, so typically when questions were asked, they were about it. Now, for you, let's, let's get a little away from Fortnite, although I don't know how far we can get. Um, <laughs> you've been a content creator and, might I say, a very successful one. And that seems how you've gotten on this path to be a caster for Fortnite or an analyst. How did you start? Like, was it Fortnite first or other games? Like, what was your path to, what are you at now on YouTube? 116,000 subscribers. Like, how did we get there? Uh, a very, very long road, uh, basically. So, uh, I mean, I started out creating content when I was very, like, very young. So... I think when I was 10, I had my own little radio show that I used to, I used to have like this karaoke machine that I record little radio shows on. No, it didn't go anywhere. They didn't get posted oh. anywhere, but um, that was, yeah, pretty, I mean, I have some of the recordings, so um, that's quite nice just to like look back on, but I always like created stuff, always wanted to make videos, make films and stuff like that. Uh, so then I sort of took that into YouTube. So when I was 14, I started my channel and it sort of like gave me an outlet you know i started doing um minecraft videos fifa videos just the videos were quite possibly the worst videos that youtube's <laughs> ever seen i don't think I, I reckon if someone was looking at my channel right back then would be like why is this guy uploading this it's trash but uh just fun you know uploading random stuff so i did that for about four years until i got to 18 and that was when fortnite came out so i had about i don't know 1500 subscribers so just posting random stuff and got some good videos out of it but nothing else and then um one of my friends at school uh who i still know to this day and i still i still hang out with him sometimes um he told me about fortnite he was like oh you know you should play this game check it out we'll play it after school so i was like oh sure you know whatever i'll, I'll give it a go and then just like instantly loved it uh, and that's when i started creating content on it so around 2018 then i started streaming so 2018 summer i started streaming every single day uploading a video every single day as well just like really grinding that was like the first time i grinded youtube because um it was like when i was going to uni so i thought you know what i'm just gonna give youtube like this one last go and it was over the summer between like finishing a levels which we have in the the uk and then you'd go into university so it's like the next level up okay. so we had a summer i literally had a summer just to, like grind so i was like you know what i'm gonna post a video i'm gonna stream every single day and see where it see where it takes me um 
and it didn't really take me anywhere. I didn't, I didn't even do that well. <laughs> so I was like, well, should I continue? Should I not? So I continued and uh, just kept streaming uh, so often. Then Fortnite brought out customs. So this is like season eight. Fortnite brought out custom games. And then, yeah, I just kept I just kept grinding those streams, you know, getting viewers involved. It was a lot of fun. Like right at the beginning when Fortnite customs are very new, so, you know, you sort of got the community involved, got maybe like 30 players getting in the game. It's like so much fun, everyone getting, getting involved together. Uh, and that's really what sort of just kickstarted my channel so i went from about 2k subscribers to about 50k within the space Jeez. of maybe a year and a half um and that was during then then that was well that was kind of like just as covid was hitting as well so it's like 2020 um i was like streaming 10 hours a day so every single day i'd be streaming from 3 p.m until 1 a.m every single day without fail um and just grinded out the streams on youtube so people were looking up customs obviously everyone was at home no one could do anything uh and yeah just like grinded out the content at that time and the streams did pretty good like they were like they were like probably the peak of the viewership it was like maybe 600 to a thousand viewers and then some of them would get to like 6k viewers when it was like item shop streams and stuff but uh that was when like fortnite was hype you know it was like in 2020 you know lockdown nobody had anything to do so kind of like filled that gap um and yeah then i just sort of switched to to competitive content uh, so playing all the cups since like season three of chapter two, Sydney, all those all those tournaments, you know, all the the FNCSs and stuff like that, and then that's what got me to from like 50k to 100k, um, and then now just grinding it out, and uh, just trying to right now just trying to like play Fortnite competitive a lot, obviously try and balance it with casting and hosting and all that sort of stuff, um, because I feel like playing the game a lot just gives you that extra extra knowledge extra background knowledge it's like oh this player is in this situation this player is in that position i've been in that position because i played you know the high level scrims and the, the, the high level gameplay it's like it definitely helps a lot so that's one of the main reasons why i still try and keep as like high level of gameplay as possible um despite the fact that i'm becoming a boomer and i'm getting old so i can't, can't no, I'm, I'm not old. as mechanical <laughs> you're not old yet um... i'm not old yet maybe i don't know <laughs> No, it makes sense though. And like, I've always tried to do the same thing. I think it's important, um, whether or not you can compete at the highest level, I think you want, it's important to understand what the lobbies feel like at the highest level. Um, and I know a lot of the, the top commentators, casters, analysts, whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, they, they all still play the game at a fairly frequent yeah. level. I know Reese is always likes to show off his mechanics playing those one v ones every once in a while he does oh <laughs> uh, i want to go back to you see we couldn't even get that far from fortnite right it just came right true, back yeah. to it I, yeah uh, true. but for you now it seems like it's the cool thing to do to go from yeah. twitch to youtube have you mm -hmm. always streamed on youtube and why did you choose to do that as opposed to what seemed like everyone else was going to twitch you are the YouTube guy, so I'm interested. Yeah, so, I mean, I always stream on YouTube since 2015. I used to do, like, little FIFA streams and stuff. And that was, thinking about it, that was before YouTube streaming was even, like, popular. Or, like, anyone even knew that you could stream on YouTube because people would be like, well, you can stream on YouTube. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, the reason why I started streaming on YouTube was because I had some sort of a following on YouTube versus Twitch. I had nothing, so I was like... I have like 10 followers on Twitch or I have 1K subs on YouTube, which is going to be the best place to stream. So I just naturally went towards YouTube. I think Twitch is a good streaming platform. I think it's a better streaming platform. Um, 
than YouTube, just if you're looking to just stream. Uh, and I always say this to people because people always ask me like, how do you grow? How do I, how do I become a big streamer? How do I become a big content creator? Like, where should I stream? And if you're just looking to stream, then Twitch is better. Like Twitch is a better streaming platform, but YouTube, I think, especially right now, is going in a better direction of like all round content. So if you are a streamer and a, you know, you wanna make videos, you wanna make shorts, you wanna make a uh, little impromptu live streams from your phone uh, or videos like that, then it's, it's all possible on one platform, whereas Twitch doesn't have that now. So it's kind of like, you can see the difference, but for streaming, Twitch is still king. Um, but YouTube is definitely going in the right direction. And I, I like, I like streaming on YouTube because it gives, it's, it's a little bit different but it's not easy because you are in a, an algorithm as opposed to a directory. So when you're streaming and there's not much going on in the game, you can't expect people to watch because they can't find you because you're competing with Mr. Beast. You're competing with <laughs> shorts. You're competing with uh, all the other big YouTubers that can make very, very rewarding content in 10 minutes versus like the YouTube viewership. They don't like YouTube viewers don't want to watch a whole stream because they're used to getting all the information, all the content they want in seven minutes because Mr. Beast can make a, an amazing video that's had a multi-million dollar budget in that time. It's like, why would you watch a, a long form content? So it's definitely difficult because you're in, you're involved in that whole algorithm uh, and it's stressful at times because you, there's no consistency, but um, you can have like big pop-off streams because people just find you through the algorithm. If there's such a, like a live event, for example, it's just, I remember when Laserbeam, he had like a million viewers on the season two live event last chapter. It's just like, you couldn't do that on Twitch. Like it's not, it's just, it's just not possible to just randomly get like a million viewers like that. Um, but it's, it's definitely an interesting platform to stream on. And but yeah, you can't really just stream on there anymore. You kind of have to make other content. Yeah. Long term. I, I mean, YouTube looks like the play from, I mean, granted people have been saying this for a couple of years now, but it looks like Twitch may come to an end and who knows if that's actually true. Um, you know, people scream doom and doom and gloom all the time and yeah. then nothing actually happens, but it does seem like everything YouTube does is making it better for the people that stream on their platform and mm. working to get the gaming community involved on their platform. Whereas like, you just look at what Twitch did recently. It, it doesn't seem like they really are all in for their creators and one thing that they always like to add to a post is like we're doing this for your community it's like bro you don't know what the fuck's good <laughs> for my community like back off here um yeah and you know there's luckily they've somewhat gotten rid of gambling in the next month and i'm not a big fan of that but yeah we could go into that and wind up in another long deep discussion about twitch versus yep. youtube but i was just interested I, I think it's something i've been thinking about is to start doing youtube streams and try and pick up i don't even know like maybe just play tournaments play with people in my community on there and mm. enjoy it but it's not nothing i've done before um so it's it feels scary if i'm being honest it's, with you it is scary it is scary. I mean, it's well, I think the, the difficulty is, is because most people are used to the Twitch style of stream and Twitch, the Twitch style of stream doesn't really work on YouTube anymore. So you can't just be a streamer you can't just like, oh, I'm a stream from Fortnite. Uh, big streamers can ninja can because he's, you know, he has he can it's get like ninja. 10k viewers. It's ninja, you know, he streams everywhere. So he has all this viewership, but uh, you can't just stream 
like you normally would on Twitch because you know YouTube is more than that. It has more of a an algorithm that has more of a, a background uh, to the to the content. So, and I've I've always said YouTube viewers are very fickle. Like you know if 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 they don't like something within the first ten seconds, they'll click off. So, it's very much a case of like you have to be entertaining all the time. You have to be engaging. So, um, that's why the customs did really well back when I used to stream them because uh, they were very searchable. People were looking for them. There's a lot of people that were available, and then that's. That's what ultimately got me um, picked up by TNA then as well when those streams were doing well. So it was good, 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 good times. Nice, nice. I forgot you were on TNA. I hope you don't <laughs> take offense to that, but like, can I ask what you do for TNA? Like, what is your role, or is it simply just a content creator? Yeah, well, I mean, it's I, I'm signed as a content creator, so we the sort of the orgs going in like different directions. Obviously, there's PSG TNA now, but um, I sort of fill that role of like a host for some of the the videos and stuff like that. So it was actually TNA um, hosted a sixteen thousand dollar Fortnite tournament back in July twenty twenty one. So uh, we were hosting a tournament, and they actually got me to to cast it. So I, I was on the team. Um, and they were like, oh, Minimana, do you want to do you want to cast this $16,000 Fortnite tournament? Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, you'll be casting with Monster D-Face. And that was the <laughs> first time I've ever casted anything. And that was literally what got me into the position that I'm in today. Um, and I was like, hmm, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> like, Monster D-Face, someone that I've looked up to this whole time, you know, watched all the broadcasts. And everyone on the broadcast is, is, is like a funny feeling of like, you know, I, I like you look up to these people like, you know, people like Risa, people like Zeke, people like Levin, people like Shia Oasia, uh, people like Adam Savage, people, you know, Vivid, like all these people that have just been like a backbone of the show for so long. It's like, oh, you know, you look up to these people. So, oh yeah, you'll be casting with Monster D-Face. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm down. Uh, never casted before, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm down. And then um, obviously from there, like got to speak with Monster a lot in the, on, on the show. The show was a success and like looking back at it, I wasn't great, but uh you know just luckily uh for me like i just put the work in monster d-face gave me like so many opportunities and I, i've always said like i wouldn't be in the position that i'm in today without him like he is he With has given me like one. that yeah he is he's given and he, he does like he, he's, he's got his company practice server and is providing so many opportunities for uh undiscovered talent people that have something that you know he sees is very he's a very good talent scout uh so he'll he'll see something in someone and um yeah, just just and that's what he did. Like he just he just like threw opportunities my way. He was like, you know, you're gonna be on this show, you can do this show. Um and I think, yeah, literally it was just like that's literally what, what got me started on it. So, you know, being in TNA allowing me to do that that event and then for each like I mean we we did a play versus event or a couple of play versus events. We've done a lot yeah. actually. We've done the Hulu event as well. Like we've got we've because done, of like, Monster, we've gotten to work to like that's how I first met you was yeah. one of those play versus events and we got a cast together and then yeah this summer we did that hulu one it's crazy and like i i think the most important thing though for like for me was like i just saw that as a huge opportunity you know it's like um doing that tna event was cool and then monster reached out he was like you know um would you like to do this event i was like yes like this is huge so it was like a, it was a play versus uh high school solo event it was like my first external broadcast with uh, with jacob pr who is uh, another one of those people that's just like, you know, been involved in the industry for so long, another one that I look up to, and uh, just a, a really good guy overall. Um, and uh, yeah, he was, I, I did that show with him, and I, I think like, 
I just put like too much prep in. Like I, I put so much prep into that. I, I prepped it. I prepped so much that like I had a whole spreadsheet full of info on like players that like we didn't even know. Like we didn't even know. Like these are collegiate players. These are like high school level players. And I like try to go into like through all their twists and stuff and just like over prepared so much. Um, I think that's like just one of the best bits of advice that I'd give. Like just just work as hard as you can. And that's literally all, all I did at the beginning was just like try your best to outwork everyone and try and make sure that you are putting on the best version of yourself you can be because like right there even though it was only like a, a small little you know um play versus cup it was it, well, obviously it's a big you know it's a big event but um in the grand scheme of things when it comes down to it like it is not a massive event but like i just treat it like it was the fncs you know treat it like it was the the grand finals um so yeah for him to give me those opportunities i'll like always be you know, grateful to him for that same man Definitely appreciate Monster, and I love getting to to know him. He's a good dude; doesn't just put it on. He he helps out mm. a good bit. I'm sure Panda would say the same because he's kind yeah. of in the same boat as us, just getting those opportunities through Monster and then working your way. Um, but we're kind of getting towards the end of this. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on. I, I have some awesome wrap up questions for you. I know you've cheated and watched a few of these, so you may be prepared. Uh -huh. Uh, for number one, like what is next? I'm not going to ask you in the order. I normally ask that's, that's okay, my, okay, my that's the, okay. I see. So what's, <laughs> what's next? Like, what do you have coming up? What are you looking forward to? Like what's, uh, what's going on in mini miners life? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been, I'm just been busy, like trying to work on just improving my brand overall, just brand development, uh, when it comes down to not just being a streamer. So I'm just working as hard as I can to, to amplify that, uh, to where, uh, obviously I create content as well as doing like esports casting and esports broadcast. So I want that to be something that is that go hand in hand. So it's like not too separate, uh, but I'm, I'm always trying to work on how can I take things to the next level? Like I've done a lot of cool stuff with streaming done a lot of cool stuff with, with content creation in general, but like, how can I take that to the next level? And exactly the same with, um, with the broadcast stuff as well. It's like, how can I keep improving? How can I keep getting better? So, um, always, uh, always taking every opportunity when it comes to events, just, uh, you know, always looking to improve and just get those opportunities as much as possible to, to improve and get better. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be a, a good year of, uh, of shows and content next year and hopefully Fortnite keeps developing in the way that it is because it's going to be, it's going to be great. Nice. Nice. All right. Favorite Fortnite skin. Go favorite Fortnite skin, either Paw Patroller or the echo. Okay. Yeah. I like them both. Nice. Nice. And, um, second to last, how did mini miner come about? Where's that name? Uh, well, when I was, I made my channel, I was 14 and I was always the shortest kid in my school and my whole year. So I was always tiny. I was literally, I think when I was 12, I was, I remember having a conversation with my friends cause they thought it was funny. Uh, I was 410 when I was like 11 or 12 and that, that I was always like right, really way shorter than them. I was like the front of the school photos type vibe. So, um, that's where the mini came from. Uh, I, I grew overnight. So now yeah, I'm not, you're not short, short. anymore. No, I'm 5'11 now, but uh, I just grew. I just one night woke up, couldn't fit in my bed. It was it was crazy. Um, so that's where the mini came from. And then minor was because I started out doing Minecraft. Um, so I just thought, I don't even know how I came up with it. Like, I think it just came up in my head. Like, oh, mini minor, that'll do. And even on my first video, always being mini minor. Like, I haven't changed it. Um, I wish I did go for something a bit different because it's very similar to a UK YouTuber called Mini Minter. 
Uh, and he is very popular. He's in the side menu, you probably know. And yeah, everyone always says that I copy him. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I didn't copy him. But yeah, it is what it is. It's the brand for now. So um, I have no intention of changing it, but Mini Minor. I like it. It's a solid name. Minor is also nice and easy to say when working with you on a broadcast. True. Um, mini sometimes, but Minor is definitely the solid one. Um, yeah. And lastly, uh, where can people find you if they want to look up some of your streams or content you've talked about, that brand recognition that you're building? Like, Where can someone go find that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MiniMinerYC. It's actually just below there, I believe. So that's good. Uh, and also you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just search at MiniMiner. Don't type in a T because it's not MiniMinter. You'll probably see it. <laughs> Do you mean MiniMinter? But no, you mean MiniMiner. Um, that is, uh, yeah, just MiniMiner on there. TikTok, I'm uploading on there a lot. So just search at MiniMiner. You'll find me on there. Um, and yeah, that's about it, really. Just trying to push as much out as I can. Nice, nice. I respect it. Respect the grind, respect the effort, and love seeing you on the broadcast. Hope to see more of it. Uh, Miner, thank you so much for joining me. Really enjoyed this conversation. Hope we get to do it again soon. Um, but thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a great experience. You're welcome. You're welcome. Always, uh, always welcome. Always welcome. Hopefully we get to catch up at the Invitational, whether you're working it or uh, coming as a fan. It's in my hometown, yeah. so we'll be hanging out. Um, and yeah, definitely... We'll check back in when that comes closer. But thank you so much. If you guys have any complaints, comments, concerns, want to tell me I'm awesome, want to tell Miner he's awesome through me, sure, that works too. Uh, you can send me a DM on Twitter at Somebody's Gun. It's down below if you're watching on YouTube or uh, just Somebody's Gun, one word if you're listening. Thank you guys so much. Always appreciate it. Y'all have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.